Hello, everyone. Welcome to another episode of the Ambassadors Forum Radio Show here on True Talk 800 AM KPDQ. I'm your host, Roy Swart, father of seven, MIT graduate, active engineer in the high-tech industry, and most importantly, bought and paid for, bondservant of the Lord Jesus Christ. Our mission here at the Ambassadors Forum is to equip you to be able to answer life's hard questions the same way Jesus did. I have a longtime friend of the ministry and pioneer in the field of apologetics here in the Pacific Northwest to join me today, Stephen Williams. Before becoming a disciple of Christ in 2001, Stephen's life revolved around swimming and singing. He qualified for the 1984 and 1988 Olympic trials in swimming and attended the University of California at Berkeley on a swimming scholarship. He graduated with a degree in economics and worked as an economic consultant before pursuing a teaching career where he spent 10 years as a public school teacher in the Cupertino Union School District. He has a very unique experience from that public school setting which eventually led him to start this apologetics ministry to try to help equip kids to better understand and defend their faith by having a biblical worldview. This will be the 15th year that he has hosted a youth apologetic summit in Bend that has helped many thousands of teenagers fight for the faith. Stephen, welcome to the show. Roy, it is a total blessing to be with you, my brother. (laughs) Well, I've heard you tell this story many times. Share with our listeners, you know, take us back to that day when you were just trying to do a good job teaching with primary source documents, you know, the history of the United States, and tell us what happened. Yeah, I loved teaching early U.S. history and used primary source documents as the standards in California and also Oregon exhort teachers to do is use primary source documents. So whether it's William Penn's frame of government or Sam Adams' rights to the colonists, just reading those documents, it was fascinating to see where they were coming from. When I was an atheist teaching this, I thought, man, these founders were like kind of crazy right-wing Christian (laughs) people, man. And then, then when I became a believer... I was like, wow, that's kind of cool. These founders had you know, a really vibrant, active faith that informed their all of what they were doing, but in, a, right. in particular in government and culture and society. So yeah, I was just teaching as I had done my whole career. And all of a sudden, one year, a parent started to complain when some of the Christian faith or nature of some of those documents came out she would complain. And the principal finally started to censor primary source documents of our nation's history, like the Declaration of Independence. Like literally I said, hey, I think we need to hand this document out. You know, there's pictures of it on the wall and things like that. (laughs) Our book had a paraphrase of it. But I said, hey, I just want to hand out the document and go through some of it. And they said the religious aspects of the Declaration of Independence violated the Establishment Clause, and you know, they, she said, wow. you're trying to push your faith in classroom by trying to hand this out. And I said, wait, this is in context. So I called Alliance Defending wow. Freedom, and they represented me, and kind of the crazy court case ensued after that. Wow. And it's my understanding that you were on your way to the Supreme Court, or did it end before that? Yeah, so we just wanted the district to 
put in writing that it's okay to teach any primary source document, even if it has Christian language in it. And so after it got to the Ninth Circuit, the lower court, and even this pretty flaming liberal judge in San Jose said, you have grounds to go forward with a case, the school district was much more amiable to negotiate a settlement. So we just had them put in writing that it's okay to teach any of these documents. And then we filed this settlement in federal court and got resolved, didn't go any further than that, but got a good good writing there where the district said, of course, you can teach documents with primary source references, even if they have Christian (laughs) references there. What a crazy (laughs) world we live in, Stephen. I wouldn't have imagined. That was in 2000, what was the year? Four and five, yeah. Okay. 17, 18 years ago, and things have gotten worse. So you kind of, you know, had this experience. You had been a Christian for three or four years at that time when this all came Yeah. Was there ever a time that you thought, you know what, I ought to just keep my Christianity, my faith, you know, in the closet. I'll just keep it as something that I do personally on Sundays and the rest of my week, I'll just kind of bow down to social pressure. Or even back then as a new Christian, did you feel like, you know what? I really feel like the Bible describes a faith and God has saved me for a faith that should affect everything I do. Yeah, I mean, just, I guess, not growing up in the church, not kind of having been told, you know, here's how you're supposed to interpret all these scriptures. It was literally <laughs> April 16, 2001. The Lord woke me up at 4.30 a.m. and I read the Gospel of John. I couldn't put it down, read the 21 chapters, and just it came to life. And mm. so I had one of those light switch salvation experiences where mm. it was really, I was dead to Christ and dead in my relationship. And then literally that day was alive. And ever since then, so I absorbed scripture. And so in those years in 2001, two and three, I just, I have to live this out. I have to Mm. represent Christ. I, there was no gray area. Jesus talks about over and over acknowledging him before Mm. man. So I knew I had to do that. I knew I had to represent him well, but I knew I also needed to honor my contract that as a public school teacher, I would not proselytize the students during the classroom time. I wouldn't use that as a place to openly say, you have to believe in Jesus. However, I did find out that you could start a good news club, for example, Child Evangelism Fellowship Mm. has these good news clubs in public schools. So I started one in my fifth grade elementary school class. So I couldn't proselytize the students during the school day, but the Supreme Court has ruled in its constitutional that that as soon as that bell rang, we would have an after school club once a week called Good News Clubs. And, and I led several of my students to a saving knowledge of the truth in my classroom wow. and did it completely, you know, legally and, <laughs> and constitutionally and handed out scripture and prayed for them. So what an amazing ministry that is. But yeah, I knew I had to live it out and represent Christ well in all areas. Do you think that a lot of people, whether they teach in public schools or they work, you know, in a tech corporation or they bag groceries at Albertsons or whatever they do, do you think that they feel like 
all the rules are against Christians and they may not understand what rights they have according to the constitution and according to the laws of their state and local, you know, governments and things like that. Yeah. I think there's a ton of bullying going on Mm. and it's just getting worse and worse. And you're seeing it, whether it's in public schools or like you talk about in workplaces Mm or wherever that these places are becoming religion free zones and you know you can't talk about anything controversial in those places and yet the first amendment to our constitution <laughs> you know the freedom of religion and the first amendment the first of the first 5 in that first amendment is the freedom of religion and then mm. you know freedom of speech is in there so it's really critically important that I think everybody knows that we have a constitutional right that we can live out our faith and Mm -hmm. talk about Jesus Christ in all spheres of culture. And that's one thing I want to encourage Christians to do, to not remain silent, but they have an amazing freedom and, in fact, right to be able to represent Christ well in our culture, in all spheres of our culture. I've worked with a lot of people in apologetics and church ministries and parachurch ministries. And what I found the heart behind just about every person that I've met that just wants to share the gospel is the gospel is powerful. The good news really is amazing news. It's better than any story that's out there. And if you're just allowed to share the story, like you'd share the story about anything else Romans 1 talks about the power of the gospel to save. And so I know a lot of people who aren't saying, hey, I want a big hammer to try and force people to believe in Jesus. They just want the freedom to share the good news and God will do the work after that. Absolutely. It truly is the greatest story ever told. And there's power in it, the gospel And then also we know that the word of God is living and active. And so it never returns void. So I think it's very important as we share to be led by the spirit. And yeah, I think that that's very, very important. Amen. Well, you started a ministry called Prepare the Way. Help us understand, you know, what that ministry is and I've always wondered, how did you come to that name specifically? (laughs) Yeah. So in 2005, when the court case, when they were wrapping that up and saying, yeah, okay, we'll file this in federal court and other teachers and parents and can reference the settlement from our court case. But my wife and I were praying, well, do we feel called to stay in the Bay Area of California and kind of live in this rat race down there? And (laughs) my mom and stepdad and aunt and uncle had retired out here to Bend, Oregon area. And so we had visited them and said, hey, it's pretty nice up there. (laughs) So we in 2005 felt called to move up to Bend. And I felt called into full-time ministry with Prepare the Way. And it just, I feel like many Christians are not as equipped as I think the Lord wants us to be Hmm. in being ready to give a logical defense for our faith, for the hope that is within us and for a comprehensive Christian worldview. And so that was the genesis of Prepare the Way. And obviously that's a reference to the four Gospels, you know, where they're talking about John the Baptist. You went back and prepared the way. And if you look at in the original Greek and Hebrew, even 
back in Isaiah about that phrase, it literally means to remove stumbling blocks mm. out of the way of God's people. Mm. And so there's a lot of stumbling blocks in our culture today, increasingly so. And that's one of the things I hope we have a small part to play with believers' lives is firing them up to be able to better identify the stumbling blocks mm. and help remove them from our culture and be bold in proclaiming the truth of Christ in all areas. Mm. I know one of the things that your ministry does is you guys put on a youth summit there in Bend that kind of gathers all the youth from different churches and stuff from, you know, around Bend. And I know people from Portland take kids down there. I'll be bringing some kids down from Portland. Explain, you know, a little bit about the summit for those who might hear this and might not know what was going on if they're in Portland and they want to drive down for it. Yeah. So as we started the ministry in 2005 and six, some of our advisory board said, you know, you really should be doing not just seminars and workshops, but you should do an event. And my wife and I were so disturbed by the trends in youth walking away from their faith as they leave home and go out to college or work or whatever. And so we thought, whoa, what is wrong? Because both my wife and I were atheists growing up and hostile to the Christian faith. And we both came to Christ through, it was apologetics, was incredibly important, which mm. really unlocked our hardened hearts towards the gospel and towards the word of God. And so we come to Christ because of this mountain of evidence for Christianity. And now we're starting the ministry and we're doing some talks and we're seeing youth walking away from the faith many of them because they feel there's not good evidence for Christianity or they are finding some other worldviews that they feel are more whatever. So we think, whoa, disconnect. So that was kind of the genesis of the Christian Youth Summit back in 2007. So yeah, we're into our 15th one. And so one of the main purposes of the summit is to encourage youth to know the reasons for their faith. So we always have some mm -hmm. apologetic speakers. We've had, you know, Josh and Sean McDowell and many others from across the nation. We try to get a nationally known speaker in. This year, we've got Alan Schleeman of Stand to Reason and Monique mm -hmm. Desson of the Center for Biblical Unity. But yeah, the part is to encourage youth in their faith before they leave home with this really, truly amazing mountain of evidence for a Christian worldview. I've been to your summit several times, and it's excellent, it's fun, it's high energy, it's definitely a youth event. But what I always found fascinating, Stephen, is that the content isn't watered down. I have just been so impressed by the solid content that all the plenary speakers, the breakout speakers have given, like you said evidence that's presented for reasons to have a reasonable faith. Have you found that it's always been like that? What are some of the trends that you've seen over the last 15 years? Yeah, it's been really encouraging, Roy, to see youth who are really hungry for the truth. I think it's increasingly so that, you know, whether it's they're told to believe certain things or in public school system, especially, it's a lot of spoon feeding, a lot of what some would call indoctrination, a lot of <laughs> bias. 
and they spot it. They can really see behind that facade of when there's a bias, when there's, you know, this agenda going on. So it seems to be growing and I'm praying for a great awakening, praying that the youth are really going to lead that great awakening. And it will be, you know, centered in a younger generation that says, no, we're kind of tired of being told what to believe. And we want to go, you know, where the evidence leads. And thankfully, we know that's towards a Christian worldview. Amen. Yeah, one of the things that I've experienced in the last six or seven years of, you know, doing this in Portland is I've been so impressed by the youth that want the primary source of the information, and then they want to kind of figure it out themselves. And so Mm. a lot of times I thought they would say, hey, what's the answer to this question? And what's the answer to that question? And there's been some of that. But more and more, I have found that kids just want to say, frame the arguments for me, help me distill, you know, teach me critical thinking so I can break this question or this argument down into its principal components and then give me some Bible verses that kind of anchor me in some truth and then just kind of leave me alone. (laughs) Let me think about it. Let me wrestle through it. And I'll come back to you with things that I'm wrestling through. But often they don't want the spoon fed, trite, quippy answer that I think some churches, maybe some pastors fall into. And they think like, hey, for the kids, dumb it down, dilute it, just give them some sound bites and that'll be enough. And I really think we do our kids a disservice when we don't teach them to kind of get down, get your hands dirty, roll up your sleeves and wrestle through some of this. Yeah, I agree. And I one of the things I love about Ambassadors Forum and what you guys are doing is really providing this plethora of speakers and resources and topics on all of these areas that are critical, because I think yeah, like you said, youth are hungry for truth and can really identify and spot it and see it when it's real and presented well. When I was in college, I actually met Bill Bright. I was in Campus Crusade for Christ. And so we oh, cool. we would do Bible studies. And so, yeah, he was a fascinating guy. And, and he said, hey, we need to bring Christianity into the college age. Don't, don't wait until people are in their adult post-college or their 30s or 40s, bring it back into college. That's where a lot of kids are really wrestling with their faith. And then I saw kind of other ministries, you know, Young Life and other things like, no, we need to pull it back into high school. And then some ministries saying, well, no, we actually have to pull it all the way back to middle school. And you and I both know Elizabeth Urbanowitz, and she's a phenomenal gifted speaker who was a elementary school teacher. And she's like, no, (laughs) you have to actually start in elementary school. And she's got this awesome curriculum that she's developed called Foundation Worldview. And it really does say in first grade, second grade, maybe even kindergarten and preschool, kids are starting to ask questions and trying to figure out how the world works. And you can plant the seeds. I think you absolutely nailed the right word, worldview. How do you think about the world? How do you ask questions? How do you expect answers? 
it is super encouraging. And I also just wanted to give you, you know, a big thanks and props. You're the one who kind of encouraged us in the beginning with the ambassadors forum, you know, to try and really press into this. And so I think a lot of the reason of why we are where we are today is because you came alongside us and helped us and pushed us and guided us along the way. So thanks for kind of being a pioneer and a scout in this difficult area. (laughs) So give our listeners, you know, one more kind of, you know, marketing spiel on the Youth Summit. Yes, it's so exciting. The 15th one, as you mentioned, going to be April 8th and 9th, Friday evening and all day Saturday. They can go to christianyouthsummit.org or .com. We have both, but yeah, christianyouthsummit.org. They can see all the info. They can register. It's free. We started to do it for free several years ago, and that was a leap of faith because (laughs) it's a decent chunk of change to put this whole thing on. But just through sponsors and donors, it's a total blessing. The Lord's always met our needs and provided everything we needed to put it on. So we're super excited. As I mentioned in the beginning, we have got Alan Schleeman of Stand to Reason. He's going to do some amazing two talks and one being an ambassador for Christ. Mm -hmm. How do we do that well in our culture? And then tactics and defending the faith, just asking questions and being able to give answers. Mm -hmm. Wonderful way. If anybody's ever been nervous about sharing their faith or think, oh, what should I say? Or I I don't know what to say in this situation. Alan does an amazing job and Greg Kokel and others of this talk on tactics and how to just think through asking strategic questions is so important in bringing the gospel into conversations. And then Monique Desson is co-founder of the Center for Biblical Unity. And she is an African-American woman and is going to do an amazing talk on race and on identity. Mm -hmm. She's going to do questions on critical race theory and saying just the realization that that is not biblical and just coming from an African-American woman is just going to empower the youth to know how to answer those tough questions regarding race and racial injustices and things like that from a biblical Mm -hmm. worldview. We've got lots of breakout sessions. Yourself, we're going to do a great one on (laughs) on science. And we've got Mike Saba doing archaeology and the Bible, and then a couple others, a woman's only talk Jordan's going to do. And she's going to do a great job of talking about identity for uh, young women and where do they get their identity. And Christian Harris is going to do a great talk for a male-only session for young men and in the importance of purity. He's recently married, and he's going to give an amazing testimony of struggling for a while. He had a difficult life, but then got lit up and started to live a completely holy, pure life. And just a few years later, met a woman, and they are now married, and just the importance of walking in purity. But so, yeah, it's the core is apologetics. It's how to defend the faith, how to you know, give a rational argument for Christianity and being more empowered to do that. But we also do some other breakouts in various areas. Awesome. Well, thanks again for all that you do, and we will see you next week. Excited. Looking forward to it, my friend. Now, how about you? Have you been convicted that there is more to your faith than just going to church on Sunday and reading the Bible sometimes? The Bible talks about a worldview, 
a way of thinking the way that God thinks, a way of living in such a way that your faith in God, your relationship in Christ should affect every single thing that you do. It should affect how you think. It should affect what your hobbies are. It should affect how you pursue your ambitions and goals in life. It should affect your politics. It should affect your preferences. It should affect everything that you do because when we are made right with God, when we are reconciled to God in Christ because of his work on the cross, we are made a new creation. The old has passed away and we have become a new creation. And that affects everything that we do. So if you're wondering what this looks like played out in practical terms, how to answer the big questions in life, how to align yourself with God's thinking on every topic, go to our website at theambassadorsforum.com for lots of helpful resources on how to better understand and defend your faith. Finally, thank you for joining us on the radio today. You can join us every Saturday at 9.30 a.m. here on True Talk 800 a.m. KPDQ. I pray that God will raise you up in your own faith and send you out to share that faith with others in the grace and truth of the Lord Jesus Christ. Until next time, I'm Roy Swart. May the Lord bless you and keep you.